welcome back to Porsche Club Insider episode 10. We've got a fun-filled episode for you today. We are at Podcast Studio at 5 North Main. Again, thanks to the folks at Coffee Bel Air, Coffee Bar Bel Air. We've got a nice latte to consume. I'm here with the regular cast and crew of The Insider. Myself, Vu Gwen, your executive director, PCA technical director, Manny Albin, Porsche Panorama editor, Rob Sass, and Damon Lowney, our youngster, the digital media coordinator. Our special guest for today, longtime friend, Chesapeake region member, PCA National Policy Committee chair. I think that's the the fun committee. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Gutyard, thanks for joining us today. Oh, and, and retired Army colonel. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Go Navy. So we're, we are we're, in Maryland. Here we go. This We always have a great time when we are hanging around with Bob with and without Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> and with or without Manny as well. <laughs> uh, well, we'll get into sort of his dilemma that might be a first world problem, but I want to say that he, to me, you guys remember that movie Big, where Tom Hanks goes to the <laughs> that machine Zoltar mm-hmm. and kind of asks about the future. He's got he's kind of like the Zoltar, like he knows upcoming trends, and we we kind of make fun of him at times when he car trends, not clothing <laughs> trends <laughs> or hairstyle trends, car trends. So more oh about God. that later. Make sure you guys stay tuned to the whole podcast as, as we get into that, but. Uh, so, well, you guys have been doing any car stuff lately? Yeah, it's been unseasonably warm here in Maryland, and uh, bringing the cars out for uh, cars and coffee. Um, boy, the region's going to have a social and a tech session. It's going to be, uh, yeah, getting the uh, cars exercise. So, keeping up to my uh, my rule of not storing the car, driving them when available. Well, not only is it getting warmer, we're getting 60, 65 degree weather here in Maryland. But it rained, so a lot of this salt has washed off the road, which means we can be much more comfortable driving our precious vehicles. Oh, by the way, Bob, this is Vu's uh, PCA voice, <laughs> according to his kids. I noticed it's dropped a couple yes, of boxes. Yes, it, it sounds pretty good. more manly. Uh, <laughs> the I don't know what happens when they hit record. <laughs> this just kind of comes out of me. Speaking of which, if you're listening to us, be sure to rate us, give us. We love five stars. If you can take the time to comment, I know if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can actually put a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We take suggestions. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Um, again, Apple Podcasts, you can do that. I don't think you can do that on Spotify, but if your platform allows to do it, uh, please do so. Also, one more thing. Today, we are recording the video of this podcast because I guess you thought that Bob was so spectacularly wonderful looking <laughs> that we were going to entertain maybe uh, publishing the video along with the podcast. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll check the footage later and see if it's worthwhile. <laughs> well, Damon did shave. He told us so. Uh, yes, I did. It's not, not very uh, common that I shave, but I did. Man, Manny actually <laughs> sent out an email and said, please dress nicely <laughs> Or, or did you say, please don't dress like a dress how person. you would want, want to appear? Dress like a homeless person. I can't edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Uh, Damon, you've been under the car. Yeah, I've been busy. Uh, I've had a project that I've planned for over a year now. Um, and it's all about getting to my uh, IMS bearing and pulling the grease seal. Um, I have an 07 Cayman. And some people say, don't pull the grease seal. Just leave it be. They're... All sorts of different things you can do, but uh, there are a few people in the club uh, who are very knowledgeable and told me, pull the grease seal, 
never look back. If the grease ever comes out of that bearing, at least it'll have the splash lubrication. So that requires taking the transmission out, um, flywheel clutch, pressure plate, and opens up access or better access to the coolant expansion tank. Um, I'm doing everything. Um, so are you going to tell the listeners why you're really doing all of this? Uh, so I can take it on the track and not blow my engine up. <laughs> but but then I have the lightweight flywheel so I can start beating Vu again. There, so we'll there we go. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit I'll, that. I'll, I need every... You were beating him without all this stuff. No, no, well, no, yeah, no, I want to no, beat no, him no, more. No, no, no. The last autocross, the last <laughs> autocross, he beat you. Yes. Yeah, and then he didn't and show up you for anymore. Shown up again. <laughs> I'll be back. I will be I'm back. I'm sure he'll be back. I'll see you at parade. Oh, for sure. I'll yeah. be back means uh, I'm waiting for a new set of tires. <laughs> but it's never the driver. It's I'm, wa- the tires. I'm waiting yeah. for my four liter to be built. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Rob, you've been car shopping, or can we talk about that? Uh, you know, we can talk about it. I mean, it's kind of a regular thing. We always talk about it. So why should this time be any different? And, and your your recent acquisition is in line with the theme car of Works Reunion next week. Right. Uh, back to the 996 for how many times is this now? Um, this, is like your four, this is like your Red fourth Wall, 996? Still great turbo. So this would be the fourth uh, 996. <laughs> you must really love those cars. I do. I just can't get away from them. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, 2,900 and what, 90 pound curb weight, uh, just for whatever reason, the under 3,000 pound thing just always gets me. And this is not a stock car, right? It's got some mods to it? Yeah, uh, you know, coilovers, uh, a recently rebuilt, you know, sleeved engine. So, uh, yeah, no, it should be it should be a keeper, Vu, you know, a 996 that I can hang on to for effing ever. Over, under, anyone? Over, under, over, under. I'm going to say it's Four gone. months, I put it in. I say it's gone by September. 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 You know, typically, Vu, I'm I'm like about 1.2 years. So that's that's kind of. Uh, well, are we talking about cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the the 997's been around for. You still have that year? TVR? Yeah, I still have the TVR. Oh. But how many miles has he put on the TVR versus how long he's owned it? I put close to a thousand miles on it, like in the first, you know, a couple. Not of weeks on a tow truck. It. I'm talking about actually driving. <laughs> Uh, how, how no, about no, your no. Cayenne? That, that doesn't include flatbed miles. Your Cayenne. Um, your Cayenne. It on. is in the garage right now because, unlike Maryland, um, you know there is, I don't know how many cubic meters or tons or whatever how they measure salt, but uh, yeah, the roads are full of it up here still. But your Cayenne's gone, right? That was a recent, fairly recent purchase. No. No, the Cayenne. I had that for two years. Oh man, I can't keep up with you. I had a time flies, but yeah, no, the Cayenne was around for two years. So Bob, you've got a big project that's car related. That's ongoing. Yes. To quote Mandy, it is the compound, but we <laughs> like to refer to it as the, uh, the black sheep tower house. So Ellen and I bought our forever home in Lee, New Hampshire. World renowned. World renowned Lee, <laughs> New Hampshire. And that is about two and a half miles from the university of New Hampshire in Durham. Uh, but uh, we, looked at houses across the internet for any number of years, looking, seeking our retirement home. And we actually found this property in Lee. Uh, it's got 7,700 square feet, but the important part is that it has enough storage for our, you know, modest stable of cars. So we're very excited 
uh, ultimately to renovate this house whenever we finish that. But then we'll be able to move our cars and, and have them all in one location in one fairly large garage. So we're really looking forward to completing the house uh, and then having the cars, the collection up in uh, New Hampshire. Right now, now it's split. So I'm envious of the current garage or you have like garage and then a, a garage attached to the house too that houses, I think like 10 cars? Correct. So we have uh, an attached garage which can hold three of the smaller models. And then we have a detached garage that can ho- host about 10 or 11 cars depending upon what model you ever try to shoehorn in there. So, and then this new new one, how, how many cars are you going to be able to stuff in there? We, uh, well, I don't think stuffing is probably the operative word. We probably could get anywhere between uh, 15 and 18 cars in this oh, garage. It was, so uh, you have 14. <laughs> what yes, do you have? Yes, when, do. What are you looking at in the horizon? You mean my Zoltar predictions? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so I, I almost really don't want to do a Zoltar pr- uh, prediction on a podcast because I'm going to be giving myself a <laughs> no one listens. He wants no one listens. He wants to no, buy it I first. Told this is very popular. That's my mom and his mom, and that's about it. So I know Rob Sass is listening, and he's curious. My <laughs> my prediction in in what I would like to uh, what we're looking at right now uh, for a an affordable future collectible classic is a 1988. 944 Turbo West Silver Rose Edition. Oh, I so, left it out about the hard that train. No, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, that, that car has been sought after for a good long while. I, are you thinking, uh, you know, even more appreciations in the cards? I mean, I think that's a future six figure car. I do. Know, the, I, I believe it is a future six figure car. And I think yeah. right now, that right now, even though, I mean, some of the ships have sailed for these cars. I think that ultimately the market right now is soft for this car. Um, I think it's worth a lot more than what they've been selling. I mean, if you look at the recent sales, particularly on BAT and on um, even PCA market sites, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they're not going for the amount of money I, I would think they will be, particularly for a limited edition car like this. So, right. I mean, if, if, if I can find the right car, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely take a look at that. I mean, one on bad a couple of months ago, I think it was maybe in September or October, sold for like 20 grand. Which is, yeah. wow. well, which was a steal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, the, the 20 grand cars are the cars with 150,000 miles and the seats are torn and, and all that know, stuff. I honestly not, think that if the, knowing a, a couple of. Bob's cars that does not scare him at all. No. Don't you have yeah. like a three hundred thousand mile that seat material? So, so if you find the right car and if you're yeah. lucky enough to find an owner willing to sell it, I don't think you're going to find necessarily a rat. I think if you continue to look and you have your sources out, I think it's very possible that for something like a, a Silver Rose Edition that they're out there and they can be they can be bought at a reasonable price, not a six figure price, but a reasonable price right now. So the good right, thing I is that even the, if you uh, paid forty-five to fifty for a car with you know twenty-five to thirty thousand miles on it, that would look very, very well bought in in the not too distant future. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think you're right. I, I think they're headed for for six figures for the best of the best. You know, I would honestly, I'd like to have one of those and a nine sixty eight Club Sport. <laughs> and there goes the for sale sign on the nine nine six. Well, I mean, Club Sports are you know. A fairly rare car. Those, yeah, yeah. Those, that, that should you're, definitely you're, but, but also that, that's not bringing the money that they should. But I, I think for a turbo, you know, for a turbo S Silver Rose edition, I mean, if you're if you're looking at different cars across the market, I mean, one recently sold in the Northeast, I think for about thirty two, and that was on the market wow. for a long, long time at much higher price. And, and, and for this, and for those listening, the uh, 
88 Turbo S was special. Yes. It's the same as an 89 Turbo. Correct. So when you see an 89 Turbo, it's just a Turbo S. But what it was special for, it was essentially um, very much like a Turbo Cup, which was the uh, 911 Cup, if you will, of the time. It actually came out before yes. the 911s did the, the Cup Series. So it became very popular for club racing. Yes. You know, when I was racing, you saw plenty of Turbo S's being just chopped up and turned into race cars. Yep. Because they were such incredible platforms to start with. So I think what we're seeing now, we're going to be seeing, is people, more to your point, yep. is people who uh, are taking these cars now, <clears throat> either retrofitting them back into street cars. Yep. Because they are valued, they're spending the money to properly restore them. Mm. It isn't just uh, five or $10,000 cars where people just got running or cut a lot of corners or make it ready for sale. Now people are going to be using the right material and bringing it back up to uh, par. Just the same we saw with the 911 SCs and the uh, mid-year 911s. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, in San Diego region back in 06, 07, there was a member named Jad Duncan. And he had one of those 88 Turbo S's, but one of the later models that wasn't mm-hmm. Silver Rose. Mm-hmm. 275 Hoosiers front and rear, totally stripped out. Uh, one of those plastic or Lexon rear windows, and he called it his Home Depot car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was fast at the autocross. Nice. Well, I mean, isn't it one of the few times when Porsche actually allowed the primacy of the 911 to be threatened? I think, if I remember correctly, wasn't the Turbo S actually quicker than a 3.2 Carrera? I believe it was, but it wasn't heavily advertised at the time. I mean, you're talking yeah. about an incredibly fast, nimble car uh, that was very popular with DEs, and then of course went into club racing. So. I mean, as Manny stated, some of these cars were heavily modified, and I think a lot of people are now going to be looking at buying them and then retrofitting and, and putting them back to original condition. I mean, there was one, if you look, if you're following the market, there was one on eBay, I think, a month ago, and that sold for 15 grand. And the reason it sold so cheaply, of course, was it was a, it was a, a modified car and, and part of the interior had been removed. So the challenge yeah. for these cars, particularly for a, a Silver Rose edition, with its unique interior is then trying to retrofit it and trying to get the actual materials to make it original again. And that's, that's really the hard part. That's really the tough right. part for these cars. Yeah. And that's what I alluded to earlier. I mean, that's why everybody shies away from, uh, you know, a high mileage car with a tatty interior because that sort of pinkish tartan seat material, I, I don't know if you can get it. Um, you know, and frankly, you know, it'd be a good question for our friends at Porsche classic is, is just, you know, how well are the four-cylinder transaxle cars supported at this point? Because it's something I just I'm I'm not uh, I'm not all that up on. I think, Is that I the think, beauty of capitalism when there's a yeah, need? Yep. Yeah, someone's going to come forward. A supplier is going to find out where uh, it originally came from and reproduce it. Uh, it's not going to be cheap, but it'll be there. Yeah, yeah right. I, I, but I, I mean, you can get every single tartan. You can get Pasha. You know, obviously Pepita. So I mean, most of the seat materials. Uh, you know, the classic seat materials that Porsche has used are available now to restore. So, you know, why not the Silver Rose? Well, um, I agree. So. I mean, over in time, I mean, these are going to be considered classic cars as well. So, right. I mean, because Porsche is re- redoing the Pepita and the other unique tartan interiors, I have no doubt that ultimately you'll see this type of material unique to the Silver Rose edition produced or at least reproduced. So, just Right. I mean, if you can get 924 Sebring seat material, you ought to be able to get this stuff, right? Uh, yes, you would indeed. Hope. Just to back up a little bit. So the, the 944 Turbo S, the Silver Rose metallic cars, mm-hmm. that was a totally unique 
color combination, yes. interior, exterior, yep. that Porsche has never done again. Correct, which is one of it in the inherent value of the car, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very attractive because of that reason. Very unique, and they were a limited edition, obviously. And that's, yep. you know, you ask the question, what, what Zoltar believes, what mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I always gravitate to limited edition cars because they're very cool, and they're one-offs. And uh, even though some of them are orphans, orphan cars, the Turbo S is not an orphan car. It's just unique. And that's why I think it's so cool and why ultimately it's going to be, as Rob stated, a six-figure car someday. I, I would agree. And uh, hopefully we didn't ruin it for you by, by outing your, your I prediction. Sure, I am sure we have. <laughs> yeah. So, we're, so we're I'm actually, you know, obviously I'm envious of your collection of cars. I'm envious of your, you know, Taj Mahal building <laughs> of cars. Um, but, you know, I'm probably most envious about and we talk about porsche support but you're married to someone that fully supports your passion yes for this and yes. in fact i believe you sold her 944 <laughs> <laughs> so this I, endeavor you had to bring that up Did you, 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 you know she's listening to this right so have you sold her father 76 2002 <laughs> no that is if i did That's that next. <laughs> i i would be vaporized by my mother-in-law if i even attempted or even thought so, to sell that 2002 BMW, uh, uh, it's it's a really a nice car. Very nice car, by the way. So Bob's spouse, for those of you that don't know, Bob and Ellen. Ellen is an instructor, uh, PCADE instructor. National trainer. National train. She had a wonderfully set up not blue 944, I believe. 944 Baltic, Baltic, Baltic blue 944S2. Which she also 89. shared with you to drive. Yes, she did. Because you didn't want to drive your own cars <laughs> on track and mess it up. So you drove uh, hers. And then you chose to sell the car. You know, you're just incurring the wrath of every woman on this car. And I, I know I'm going to get the hate mail because of, of, uh, of what so I did what, with but, but you track a car now. You track the 40th anniversary car? Yes, we do. Yes. Oh, the fo- nice. we, we have a uh, 2004 40th anniversary edition. And uh, we bought that um, with the express purpose of replacing Ellen's 944 and putting that car on the track. So we've done some minor modifications to it to include uh, GT3 seats, factory GT3 seats, tech equipment roll bar and a few other things you did mo30 suspension on it too right it we did not do anything with the suspension it's a stock suspension but what does it did it did the 40th anniversary come with the mo30 yes okay that's what it is yes it did i was like it's not a stock i mean no it's not it's not and it's got the x the 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 x51 engine which has got 340 horsepower on the wheel so it's a very very fast very capable car far exceeding my capabilities ellen i think is challenged by it ellen's obviously a much better driver than i am i'll freely admit that and even she is challenged by it, but we've not driven it enough, unfortunately, because of COVID and everything else to, to really master the car on the track. So a lot of learning curve with that car, but it's incredibly fast and just a great all around vehicle. Just a wonderful I car. I can't tell you how excited I was when you came to me asking about, you know, considering buying a 996 because at that I've sure. been a, I've owned my 996 since 2005 and I love it. And you came and you were wondering about all the details and yeah. you, again, ahead of the curve. No one was looking for really a whole lot of 996s. You were looking for this special edition. Mm-hmm. And I believe your son has one too, right? Yes. we. When my son uh, had the funds to, to buy his first Porsche, he initially was looking at a Cayman like, like, uh, like Damon. And the Caymans that he was looking at, he wanted 2009 beyond just to get away from the IMS issues if, they're, if you want to consider those IMS issues. So he was looking at that and they were a little bit out of his price range. So I said, look, why don't you consider a um, 2004 anniversary edition because they're not going to do nothing but appreciate and you can get one where the IMS issue has been addressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you don't we, have to pull the grease seal. You can replace the bearing. There you go. Yeah. So we, um, we looked 
uh, and surfed for a while. And then we found one in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, driven by this nice little old man who really didn't put a lot of miles on it. The only thing he did was scrape up the wheels and he had the IMS address. So we, he bought the car in 2017 and he's been thrilled with it ever since. Awesome. And you guys have showed up together with the cars at events. Yes. We, the the first time we competed the cars together was at the 2018 parade at the Lake of the Ozarks. And of course, one of the most memorable uh, moments for me at that parade was the man to my right, Manny Alban, my, my lifelong friend comes up to me and comes up to Josh and looks at the wheels. And remember, the 40th anniversary editions have these chrome wheels, mm-hmm. unlike any other 996. So Manny, who did not know at the time, comes up and says, what's with the disco wheels? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when I knew yeah. that Manny didn't know what the hell he was talking yeah. about when it came to 40th anniversary editions. Yeah, and it's not even bright chrome. It's like a flat chrome. It's like it? a flat chrome. It's yeah. a very attractive chrome. And, and of course, what, then... But wasn't that the event where oh your son God. beat you? No, no, that was the, no. I, spank, I spanked him in every... Well, no, I have memory of him beating you at an autocross. No, no. I, he, he beat me... But we had to put you on suicide watch. Over there. <laughs> right. Can we change the subject slightly here? Bob also wrote a really fine article for Panorama that dealt with not just the 40th anniversary, but the other cool 996 special edition, which was the the uh, Millennium Edition. Yes. Oh, that was the was it Chroma Flare? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Two th- 2000 uh, 996 with every possible option. Um, we actually uh, met a uh, resident of Frederick County who actually owned a uh, very low mileage Millennium Edition. We used that for for the uh, the panorama shoot, the photo shoot. Just an incredibly beautiful car with the chroma flare paint and the buttery soft, beautiful uh, leather interior. Just it's like a like a tannish brown mm-hmm. interior. Just, yeah, it's not natural brown, but it's something like that. It's it's gorgeous. Just extraordinary car. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that also is to me is another undervalued car. Yeah, very rare. Yeah, yeah. and, and very a car rare. That nobody, yeah. few people remember, and fewer people can talk about. I mean, yep. the the 40th anniversary edition gets you know gets a lot of a lot of buzz, but the the Millennium Edition car I think is is almost largely forgotten. I, I would agree, Rob. I mean, uh, Ted Zimmerman out in St. Louis runs the 40th anniversary site, and if you have a 40th anniversary edition or are interested in that specific model. Ted's 40th anniversary site is just awesome because he tracks worldwide anything that's happening happening with the 40th anniversary editions uh, for sale uh, of any car, any item. The luggage, of course, is very much desirable. But the point is that there's no such site. There's not that core of enthusiasts for the Millennium Edition as you would see with the uh, the 40th anniversary edition. It's yeah. it's unfortunate. Which and is the, interesting. Well, one more oddball 996 variant. How do we feel about Targa's? Uh, I, I like how they look. I, I guess I would enjoy the open airness of it. My only concern is just like sunroofs in general, Loanne's recent purchase. We, I had to stick that in there. We, we got her car and I got a slick top cause I was worried about, you know, the operation of a, of a top down the road and yeah. repairing. Yeah. If you yeah. have to repair that Targa top on a nine, nine, six, for those of you that don't know, it's like a glass piece, right? That goes all the yep. way back to the rear window. Um, when it works, it's fantastic. But if it does break, then it's yeah. it's a pricey repair. Yeah, and of course, right, the first example of that was the uh, the ninety seven nine nine three that first right. that, the, yeah. the glass the whole glass Targa look, which technically really is not necessarily a Targa per se, but 
I mean, Porsche's called it that, and we've gone with that since then. Well, there's no turbo in a Taycan either, but let's not squibber <laughs> right. about right. But Coolest feature of the 996 and 997 Targa, what, what is it? You mean opening the, the hatch? Totally unique. Opening the hatch? It's in the back? Yeah. That's what yeah. I wrote about in, yeah. uh, in our uh, Mark Fresh, I think, the latest one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I picked the uh, Targa because it, every, I think every 911 should have had this hatch yeah. opened up. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. brilliant. It's very cool. So you, we, one of the cars that I was looking at this Altar conversation again, before we, we bought our 964, 30th, 30th uh, anniversary edition, was a 964 Targa. The 964 Targas, and of course the ship has sailed on this, but at the time when I was looking at this six years ago, I knew that 964 Targas were underappreciated and really quite rare. And so I, I really lost out on an eBay bid for a 964 Targa, high mileage car, but really nice car. I think it sold for like 15 or 18 on eBay. I and remember those days. I remember those Man. days. And, and since then, when I lost the auction, I was like determined to find another one. And in, in this case, uh, the, the, uh, the one on eBay was a, was a, a Carrera 4 Targa. Oh, your wide body car? Uh, no, it was a it was a it was a target. Oh, it was a target. A four, four wheel drive target. Oh, okay. And uh, and I, I tried to find another one, but I never was able to. I mean, so nine sixty four targets are extremely rare. And uh, ultimately, of course, I'm glad that I couldn't find one because I we finally found our our nine sixty four wide body, which is a really cool car too. So speaking of limited editions, did you guys see the uh, release on the Macan T? And what does yes. that mean? Touring. Well, yeah. Well, Damon <laughs> wrote the article for PCA about it. Uh, yep. T for touring. Yeah. T for touring. And so it, so it slots between a, a base model and an S? It does. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's like the lightweight theme. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. Lightweight. Let's, I, I wouldn't really call it that. You know, it's not going to be like a sports car, but it has um, uh, revised suspension is probably the main thing that differentiates it from other Macans. Um, so sportier. Tuned suspension with the anti roll bars. I believe if you opt for the air suspension, you also get the PDCC. Or there's some combination where if you get the air suspension, you you get this really sweet suspension. Uh, it also has uh, some exterior enhancements, if you call it that. With uh, let's see if I can pronounce this agate gray metallic agate gray agate gray. <laughs> Close. I like agate. 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 <laughs> Sounds like an island off your Agate and regals. Hey, hey, that's the Italian translation, right? Man. So, yeah, that color is everywhere on the car. Uh, so it's it's a pretty nice Macan, but you need to be okay with the four cylinder. I, and and I've I've had a a loner a Macan four cylinder. It's still a turbo. Yeah, right? still, a turbo, it's still a turbo, 261 horsepower. It's 261 horsepower, zero to sixty in five point eight seconds. It's still yeah. a, and people are complaining about. Yeah, that. it's still a fast, fun, yeah. tossable vehicle. So that's pretty cool. I, 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 I love somebody, the uh, I love the T idea. Yeah, um, because uh, and I think I, I what it was one of my Mark Fresh picks too was a uh, nine eleven T because uh, it's it's it seems great for people who uh, you know the GTS is too far out of their price range, mm-hmm. but they want something sporty without even going to the S. So here's this like the slot for enthusiasts because it has a tuned suspension, like Damon said. I know how to use lightweight glass on the uh, sports cars. I'm not sure. I they, don't think they do they on the Macan. That. I'd have to go back and, yeah. and recheck my so article. So it's not a huge weight savings, mm-hmm. but once again, it's an enthusiast car. So it's enough to differentiate from the, the base model. And, uh, you know, some people snub their nose and say it's really not worth it. 
just get an S. But you know, if you're at a certain price point, and if you want, a, uh, if you want a special car, I think the T fits that bill. And so. I think that engine is the two liter uh, VW engine Mm -hmm. um, or a variant of that. Um, I know somebody who has chipped that car or at least an older Macan with the four cylinder, easy 350 horsepower. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's definitely potential with that. The car already feels like a hot hatch with, you know, some extra ground clearance. And and I think this is just going to accentuate that feeling. I totally see a Macan T in our future. I think that would be a cool car to have. Yeah. Yeah. Price point. And it is unique. That is a T version. It's more simplistic. And yeah. in your personal future, well, <laughs> no, 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 I think uh, it means just the car. Are you going to sell Loan Civic when, when they start hitting the press fleet? Because so, it's, so it's... when Loan passes the Civic to Jason, then I think a Macanti would be a great replacement car. No. I think so. All right, so let's talk about a little bit Porsche news. Somebody, oh, did you guys see? the cancellation of the 3G network and what that means to some Porsche vehicles. I learned about this today from you. Yeah. So this happened to me a few years ago, and it was when I have a remote start in my Honda Odyssey. (laughs) (laughs) And I was there for this. Yes. (laughs) And I'm able to lock and unlock my car. Oh, I used to be able to lock and unlock my car remotely and i was in california was for it an the event. first time you were using it yes yes and first time uh, i seen boo sweat like a pregnant nun so <laughs> he was uh, so he was in, in dire so trouble I had, I had the best idea my, my 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 wife was flying into the airport as i was leaving from bwi so i said you know what i'll draw uh, you know i'll leave the odyssey in the um garage and when you land you just walk up to the car call me and I will unlock the car via my phone. It has always worked. However, the day that we needed it to work and my wife gets to the car and I'm, she calls me to unlock it, it doesn't unlock. And so now she's standing in the garage, not able to get the car. Long story short, the reason why it didn't work is back then, the uh, I think it's a Viper alarm system was working off of the 2G network mm-hmm. and they had canceled the 2g network without me knowing or the world knowing and so therefore i couldn't communicate with the alarm anymore so fast forward to i think yesterday or the day before the 3g network is now out of commission and a lot of cars utilize the 3g network to communicate whatever it is to its owner about the status of the car being locked unlocked you guys know how Mm -hmm. you have some of those apps on 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 your phone so some porsches are affected by this and if if your car is one of them you should be hearing from porsche on the particular repair if it's able to be repaired like in in my my alarm situation this what to repair it you just needed a new module that could communicate on 3g so i would think that there are some fixes for these cars that are on 3G. Does your iPhone yeah. 4 work on 3G? Or? <laughs> it's an iPhone 11. Thank 11? you very much. 11? Wow. Thank you very much. This yeah, reminds me. has been good for you. I know, yeah. She has. <laughs> this reminds Brought me of... Uh, the modern age. This reminds me of Mazda recently, actually. the In, in Seattle, a bunch of Mazda owners, uh, their infotainment was bricked and stuck on NPR. For better, for worse. I would love that. I would Damon's dream. Probably. Exactly. <laughs> no matter what he does with his, his radio, it just... It just listens to NPR or produces NPR sound. Yeah. This was Seattle. I mean, how did anybody know that it was noticed that it was? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of like... <laughs> to go back to Vu's story, because he left us some key things out. Uh, it, she didn't have to call you. She just had to go to the app. 
yes. to get it. And right, right. We were, that's fly- right, that's we were right. flying to L.A. Yeah. Oh, my. So by the time we land, he turns his phone on. He's all happy-go-lucky, you know, we're in L.A., <laughs> And he sees like 60 missed calls <laughs> from his wife. And oh. at that point, he was like, oh, my God. Yes. So he's yes. in sheer panic. And we're at the luggage waiting for our luggage to come out. And he's got my phone, his phone. He's trying to access, Yeah. you know, while talking to her and trying to. Because uh, at that point, I think she was home already. She no, gotten, no, 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 didn't no. Did she get a ride? From she was no, so, so, so thankfully, <laughs> one of my, my, my best friends, he's a cop. And uh, he happens to have the ability to get into a car. And uh, so I dispatched him to the airport. <laughs> I'm like, Ty, get to the airport ASAP. And I don't care if you have to break the window get, or at least get her home. <laughs> so educate me on this one here. What's going on with LMDH and Porsche and Red Bull? Oh, it's two different things, obviously. LMDH program, they had a lot of uh, tests and everything is moving along with flying colors, which is uh, great news. It's interesting that we haven't seen, or at least I haven't seen a lot of uh, the other manufacturers. Um, I think, was it Audi is supposed to be coming out with something too? I'm not uh, sure. Uh, a hypercar. But um, yeah, Porsche is uh, obviously releasing all the photos and seem, everything seems to be going very well. Yeah. I'm hoping that um, the rumor, uh, according to our race guru, Jim Hemig, is that uh, Petit Le Mans we might see. You know, the first test of the car, which would be a great reason to do a road trip down to Petit Le Mans, if that's true. And then, of course, you have the Red Bull and F1, which uh, I've been hearing about that for from Jim once Long again. Long time. Yeah. <laughs> for six months, I think, or even longer. And everyone's, they're like, they're, everyone says they're this close to inking a deal. So it's one of these, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, but it looks like it's leaning that way that um, they'll have an agreement with uh of course, it won't be for next year, uh, but um, I think 2025, yeah. we're, I believe that's when the new engine regulations kick in, yeah. if it happens. Jim is super excited. I think we get a text at least every couple of days following up on this. Well, Bob and I, we remember Porsche's <laughs> uh, fortunes or failures in open wheel racing mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Indy, uh, when they had Sports Car Together Fest in Indianapolis, I was playing to people who, and they really didn't understand. Yeah. I said, Porsche's had miserable history at this place. Yep. It hasn't been very positive. Uh. And in Formula One, uh, you know, they had the footwork errors. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can go back to the 60s with the one race they won with Dan Gurney at the French Grand Prix. But other than that, you know, the, when they had the footwork errors project, but they did the engine supplier, and I think they only lasted. They didn't even last the full season. It was and, like three races. That was it. <laughs> And they got booted out. Uh, I mean, that was the ultimate egg on the face. So, um, yeah, they had some other success with uh, McLaren, I believe. Yes, they had many successes, actually, with McLaren. I think they won three manufacturer's titles and then two driver's titles, or maybe it was the other way around. But with the tag turbo turbo and supporting the McLaren team back in the 80s, Porsche was the preeminent Formula One engine manufacturer at that time. And Senna was one of the drivers for a while. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. They had quite a team. But the um, you know, Formula One is a, and especially now that you get to see the inside of it with uh, with Netflix and uh, Drive to Survive, it is a very cutthroat industry. And um, just because you're Porsche doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they're going to lay out the red carpet for you and uh, you're just going to come in and walk over everybody. Will Porsche do that with the LMDH program? I think very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with uh, Formula One, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, 
you know, things, how, how things pan out, especially since this will be the first foray as a, v, as a VW group um, manufacturer. So it'll be uh, one side of me wants to see them, and then one side of me is like very uh, hesitant because it's a tough, tough field to enter. I yeah. think Jim, Jim's probably the most, open wheel curse. Jim's uh, most excited is he's hoping that this will bring a new crop of Porsche enthusiasts to the world. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the one thing uh, we've learned from Netflix and Drive to Survive, it's certainly brought a whole new audience in America, especially younger audience. Mm-hmm. I felt really old when I was telling some of the younger guys in the office that I remember seeing Eric and Senna race <laughs> live, and mm-hmm. they looked at me like I saw Moses <laughs> you know, part the waves. <laughs> really? You saw Senna? Oh. <laughs> like, I, listened, I was listening to a podcast today, and the guy uh, was talking about the uh, he wasn't around to see the RS Spiders. The oh, my Penske gosh. RS Are you spiders. kidding me? Yeah. Oh, oh, I remember that like I yesterday. I was in the pits watching. Yeah. Uh, it, was it was only Porsche 15 years ago. Yeah. It was only 15 years ago. But, so. you know, that's yeah. depending on your age. Yeah, you I guess so. In, you weren't into Porsches back yeah. then. Wow. But, uh, you yeah, know, because was... I saw like Thomas Lauterbach, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like uh, part of Porsche Motorsports, but he wasn't. Now he's like, uh, I think... Uh, global director or something really high up in Porsche Motorsports. I said, I remember he was like in charge of the oh, engines yeah. Yeah. of the RS Spiders when I met him down at uh, Road Atlanta. So we've anyways, been. it's uh, it'll be interesting to see Formula One, what happens. Well, we've been around a while and we've seen some of these people kind of move up and it's pretty amazing. And, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a small world too. He's kind of ba- bounce into these folks uh, in the industry. So anyways, so back to... Mr. Gutyar here. Uh, why did we bring him today? What did we talk so, about? So, you know, we were, I know Rob and I talk about this a lot then with Nathan Mers um, about how many car, you know, at what point does owning a certain amount of cars almost become a part-time job and maintaining them? <laughs> and, uh, and I was talking. The key today. word is maintain. Yes, well, of course. Uh, and not a junkyard full of uh, cars, but <laughs> running cars. Um, you know, and I was talking to the guys at Cars and Coffee, uh, all the uh, Porsche guys, and you know, I said we're going to probably talk about this uh, topic on the podcast, and they all started thinking about it. And they're like, "Yeah, he goes, you know, it doesn't matter if it's all Porsche or what what makes that they are, but you know how much um, it, it is a lot of work mm-hmm. keeping track of, especially with the ethanol in the fuel. Yes, you know mm-hmm. uh, how how often do you drive it? Uh, changing fluids, <sighs> it, it it becomes a uh, I, I'm maxed out at three by space. Um, yep, same three, you know, any more and it cuts into Netflix time. How much does that? <laughs> so, <laughs> not the chill part, just Netflix time. There you go again with Netflix and chill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it can turn into a part time job. Uh, uh, I, I actually keep a spreadsheet as as most Porsche owners, um, you know, have a, 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 a routine of annual uh, oil changes uh, just because you don't usually hit the mileage in a year, but you certainly hit the time limit. So I, I had to create not only for Porsches, but for the other cars that I have and maintain um, a spreadsheet of how much oil, what the filter and what the weight oil is and what I use last. And because I can't remember it all. You, you do realize though, that the calculus is so much different when you're talking about Porsches. We're all sitting here talking about gas and oil. <laughs> I mean, the most I've, I've owned as many as four cars at one time and one, one of them was a Lotus. And I can tell you that that alone changes the calculus considerably. <laughs> <laughs> Porsches are gas and oil cars. Let's face it. 
I mean, it's great, but uh, you know, when, when the worst that you have to talk about is, you know, Hey, I, I want to make sure that the, my ethanol gas doesn't go stale or, you know, my oil is not contaminated. It's like, you know, you get into a, you know, a Lotus, you know, after a three week layup or like and a you've TBR got no or clutch and you've got no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a desire to buy an English car? Uh, fortunately not. I, I, if you I mean your like, buddy Ron hasn't tried to talk you no, into an English no, car? Even even Ron Gordon cannot talk me into buying a Triumph or a Sprite. I'm sorry. No, it just it just doesn't work for me. Sorry. No TVR right. in your future. No, there's no going to be no TVR. You Ron, should see the craftsmanship in this car. It's amazing. I can only imagine. So so we are very fortunate that for most Porsches that we own is oil and gas, but it's still a lot because you're talking about you know we talk about life cycles of tires and you know five years to eight years, maybe tires. Sometimes I've, I've looked, you've got a number of cars in your garage that yes, oil and gas for the most part, but you're like tires and consumables alone. You got to manage that too, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they, they do hold a lot of oil and gas too. Let's right. Face it's, it. not yes, four, it's not a four, you know, quart it's not a four quart oil. Four gallon tanks yeah. and, and you know, nine quart sumps. <laughs> now has Ellen, because you were never known for the maintenance part. Of <laughs> and and remember, Bob has a phenomenal collection. And he's never like, he, like you said, he's always bought them at the low end. Yeah. When we laughed at some of the stuff that he bought. And then we watch it climb in value. But your 914.6, I remember when we took you to have it uh, picked up from restoration. And uh, the person <laughs> who restored it said they refused to drive it because the tires were so old. Oh, I remember the story. And uh, Bob was like, no, they're fine. They got plenty of tread. <laughs> and he was booking down uh, the interstate at uh, well over the speed limit around corners and uh, these long, uh, you know, uh, bank turns. And uh, and I thought, man, if this tire blows out, there's nothing we can do to save him. He's a man of faith. <laughs> but we, we, we finally you got to believe tire. You we gotta finally believe. shamed him into uh, replacing the tires and... The guy who was replacing the tires, number one, he told us that the installer broke his thumb. <laughs> Did he really? Broke his thumb yes. because he couldn't get the tire off. And I for, forgot about this story. He and, never forgets. And then he, uh, they had to call Michelin up because they couldn't figure it. didn't have the date code on the tire. <laughs> and they were really curious. Pre-date code. That's how old they were. March 1969. Oh, wow. This was God. an original yeah. tire. Original, original Michelin's on the 914. And this would have been in the, uh, wow. in the uh, like late 90s. When, huh. uh, so here's a question. I'm glad that you got new tires, but, did, <laughs> but have you replaced you, them since? But did you keep the originals? Cause me being the hoarder that I am, I would have kept them and said, I got to have the original tires for the car. I, I am a uh, hoarder myself, but no, the tires are something that just really yes, the tires are going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The only tires I've actually ever kept that I still have are the, uh, the 3.25, 16 tires that, uh, came with uh, my my 356 Speedster. So the Speedster that we have, I, I kept those uh, just for a sheer curiosity because you don't you just don't even see them. They're yeah. the old tube tires. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Lou, you remember what I did uh, when I had that 21,000 mile 912e that was on the original tires? I could not bear to. I mean, they still had the original curved weights and all that stuff. They were the original Uniroyals that they came with the car. I just took them off. I never dismounted the tires. I bought a set of cookie cutters and uh, put some modern tires on it and called it good. Kept the original wheels and tires together. Yeah, but then you turn around and sold the car and the wheels and tires. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> Your story doesn't end the way I like I, it. <laughs> I traded it to Nathan for a, a 914. It was just too nice for me. I mean, that, it, it's just... 
What? Uh, you know, it was too nice <laughs> for me. Just too nice for me. It, wow. so, it was. So he it went to uh, like this baby nervous. blue you know, 914. I like my kids to be able to climb in and out of cars, and it had these super oh. fresh cloth inserts in the seats. And I don't want to be that guy. I, I don't love how neither. I don't want to raise a kid yeah. like. Don't bring your kids. Don't like bring your kids into this. From, he justifies all this. I remember. Wasn't it just last year? You're like, oh, I'm. I think I'm going to look for a cab so that way my kids can enjoy the drop top. And how long did that last? Well, it, it, I still have it, <laughs> and they're starting to grow out of it. Because the one thing I didn't that I'd forgotten about cabs, the top mechanism, actually takes up a fair amount of the rear seat space. <laughs> didn't so, they take that to into the account when I purchased the car? <laughs> yeah. See, Rob, Rob's different than us in the sense right. that he can easily sell a car and not even think twice about it. Wow. Have no atta- emotional attachment yeah. or anything to it. I am envious of that. Yeah, I am too. No, I, no, no. I can't no. Do I'm that. envious of you guys. I mean, because the stuff that's passed through my undeserving hands over the last, I don't know, 20 years is, is ridiculous. Um, you know, 72 911S, long gone. Uh, 73.5 CAST, long gone. You know, it's, it, uh, I'm envious of you guys. I, I, uh, so I really my, my three cars are the only three cars I hope to have for the rest of my life. I'm sure that's not true, but. You know, that's that's how I you want to be. Set, you got to set your bar a little higher. <laughs> Diesel, <laughs> crappy Camry, Camry, and a nice Porsche. Life is good for you know. I'm I'm happy that you are happy. <laughs> Thank you. So, can we talk about the models that you have? Are you okay with sharing that? Or sure. So I, I so when I first met you, you had the the green nine fourteen six. No, it's white. <laughs> Oh, what was what's the I green one? I don't remember any details. <laughs> I never never had a green car. I thought it was green. No? The only the only green Porsche I ever owned was the 356C coupe I bought in Fort Worth, Texas in 1981 that was the incorrect color and we we restored that and it's now back to its original color of of uh, Elfenbein white. Uh, maybe it's cuz I want a green 946 and I said I that. <laughs> also be. like I I love your 350. Actually your 356 was the first 356 I had ever driven. Oh, nice. I love I love that car. Everyone in the region drove that car. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> Let's not go there. We're not under, telling that story. Under Manny's care. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Who wants to drive? Um, maybe we'll get into that a little Bob's bit later. Eyes is open, ready, ready, uh, ready for opening. I yeah, copies of the keys. Yeah, and your, your speedster. You have a G body speedster. I have a G body 1989. Uh, we have a 1989 speedster. Yep, Ellen. Yep. Yeah. Without air conditioning. Without, without and with that many found out after the fact. Yes. <laughs> Why the heck yeah. anyone would get a car like that without air conditioning? I don't know. It's rare. <laughs> it's rare. And the top's always down. So, anyway. so you would have been one of those people who bought an RS America with all four options, right? <laughs> In real, yes. <laughs> You'll find that out when you're married. <laughs> Keeping the other half comfortable there, is that's very right. important. Keeping them happy is very important. Yep. And you have a 911 S? Yes. You 1973 911 S. And a 924 Sebring edition? Yes. 79, 924 now, Sebring edition. When he edition. bought the 73S, yes. we're not talking like a museum car. No. This thing was in very sad shape. It was, it was a, running, but right. uh, what, what did you find out? There was no oil cooler in the front. Yeah, there was no. All right. So we, we bought it in 1989. I, I mean, I, I again, the Zoltar thing, I knew that these would be collectible someday. And this car was actually advertised in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in 1989. It was being sold in Effingham, Illinois. And uh, I bought the car because it was a rat for like $6,800 in 1989. But as many stated, the interior needed to be refurbished. Uh, it did not have a front oil cooler. The engine needed to be rebuilt. I mean, it was smoking when I bought the car, but it was all there. And I was fortunate enough back in 1989 during those days where 
parts for these cars were still available. So I was able to actually obtain the through the uh, through the horn grill headlights, the fog lights. Stoddard had those for eighty nine dollars in nineteen eighty nine. Wow! And they were selling as one offs. Right. Uh, I was able to purchase uh, the chrome wheel arch molding as well. That now is you, you can't even find that. And it had a factory sports seats. And and I had the factory sports seats. It came with the car, so we we were able to when we, we restored that car, we just refurbished and. Re- reupholstered the factory sports when he got well. the car i used to call it dumbo because the yep. uh, headset headrest <laughs> the side of it was peeling off <laughs> so when you look from behind <laughs> it looked like dumbo's ears nice. they do as a matter of fact we still call the car dumbo wow uh, manny manny christened the car dumbo and it's still very true the, the passenger side window would not go down <laughs> which is lovely in the summertime with no air conditioning with no well, air conditioning no but well so back in the day i mean there were very few 73 911s with the uh, electric windows. And so this car actually had the electric window lifts and it also had factory air conditioning, which we, when we refurbished the car, we, we put that back in. So the car now is, it's is a, a beautiful fa- car. It's a be- well, thank you. And it's, it's got every factory option that Porsche could provide to a 911 in that year, with the exception of the rear windshield wiper, everything else is uh, on that car. It's really an, it's, it's a neat car. And I'll, I'll save the, the best car, which we know is probably the oldest car you have to the end. But you also have, you, you talked about the 964 wide body car. Mm-hmm. That is also quite rare. Um, tons of paint chips in the front because it's got 300, 400,000 miles or something. <laughs> it has, wow. no, it has. A, <laughs> it has oh, it looks like it has 300, It, it, it has 199,000 miles on it. Uh, it was. Uh, is that because the odometer broke? No, it's because the woman who owned the car, lovely lady out in Dublin, Ohio, it was her only car. And uh, she had no children. She had no pets. This was her child. And she drove this car everywhere um, uh, in and around Ohio for her, for her work and mm-hmm. for her leisure, recreation and everything. The family just loved and cherished this car. When we bought this car, it actually had receipts that were like three inches thick. It was just inc- every service, every possible thing that you needed to do- be done on this car uh, she did. So very, very well-maintained car. I didn't even blink twice. And, and, uh, and, and Ellen didn't either. Ellen is more co- the conservative of the two of us, but she didn't blink twice either about buying this car because it was so well-maintained. The only issue with the car, of course, was she lived on a gravel road. So she drove up and down this gravel road for literally 20 years that she owned the car. And as a result, it had stone chips. But to Rob's earlier point, the interior is perfect. It's not, it's not a rat. What it really does need is a paint job and other than that, it's really a, a beautiful car. But I would leave it as is. I, now I think you should be proud of that patina and how many miles are on the car. I, you know, there's a debate, uh, you know, between enthusiasts like us about whether to keep patina or whether to restore a car perfectly. I mean, so I've got two cars that you could say have the patina. But to me, if you're going to do right by a car, particularly our 912E, which is shedding paint like winter lawn furniture <laughs> yeah. or, or a nine six this 964, which this lovely lady drove all of her life and, and has the stone chips. I'd rather repaint the car and, and do the car right as opposed to driving it around and looking, having it look like yeah. it's just gone right. through a war. Well, so, well so, your 912E is one of the cars that had paint adhesion problems, right? So correct. it's, it's yeah, that's, yeah, that car yeah, is nothing uh, to be done there, but repaint the car. It, that, real, I, I agree, Rob. And I mean, just, to stop Manny from giving me grief about it is worth just the paint job. It's what I call itself. the geography card well, because every time the paint chips off the door, I try to figure out what country it represents 
It looks like Ireland last time I saw it. <laughs> and, and we were going to use it. It's actually probably looking more like Africa right now. There's so many, so much well, of the paintings. We were going to use it in the PCA Juniors booth so that way kids can just walk up to him <laughs> and peel the paint off, off it and take keep a piece a, of a, a piece Porsche home with them. Yeah. We're afraid of lead poisoning, though. <laughs> prep, prep work. So for those, so we should really educate, I think, to a certain degree, the, the people listening in on this podcast, that in 76, 77 timeframe, Porsche went with different undercoating and they went to, with the zinc, the zinc dip and and well, not undercoating, but prime, prime, I'm primer, sorry, primer, primer. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. And uh, and the paint had adhesion problems at the time, so there are certain models, uh, certain cars from the, that era, seventy six, seventy seven era, where the paint just did not adhere well, and that it literally flecks off, like like looking at lawn lawn uh, lawn furniture after a long winter. I mean, mm-hmm. it's and R nine twelve E is probably one of the worst examples of that, sadly enough. Uh, but it's a it's a wonderful car, and, and ultimately we'll we'll have it we'll, we'll have it repainted. I know. I think yeah, we've but, talked about this, and Rob and I have talked about this. You know, every time you read about the nine twelve V, you read that how they made uh, five hundred sunroof <laughs> models. Yes, yes, and fifteen hundred non sunroof models. Right? Something so like twenty ninety nine. Right. I think was the production total. <laughs> Correct. But uh, I have yet to find a non-sunroof model. <laughs> Everyone they're, they're, has one of these rare right. sunroof models. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I mean, somebody's if, arbitrarily reversed that or just made I think that so, Rob. Because I've owned two of them. They both had sunroofs. <laughs> you know, everyone that I've seen has a sunroof. So I, I've seen a lot. Admittedly, I mean, one of the th- fun things I do is look on eBay for the cars to see you know, what's for sale out there. I'm, I'm, many people do. And uh, I've seen a lot of non-sunroof 912Es on eBay as well as um, on other marketplaces as well. Not necessarily bad, where there's more of a premium there for nice cars, but normal market uh, normal market sites and eBay, you, you see a lot of nine, non-sunroof 912Es. You know, yeah. in, in the Chesapeake region, there was a, we had a, an event, Chesapeake Challenge, a Concord. Yeah. And uh, something that caught my eye was a, uh, a head on the deck like 912E. Mm-hmm. But oh, it was yeah. A, it was a Targa. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, uh-huh. well, I know they never made a Targa 912V, yep. but, you know, you never know. So I walked over somebody's, and... Here's what happened is somebody's 2.7, you yep, know, like 75 or 76, yeah. 27. Well, let me tell the story. <laughs> they put a type 4 engine in it. You got to let them tell the story, Rob. On it. And, you know, instant Franken 912V. Never go to a movie with Rob. Rob, you got to let him tell the story. <laughs> I'll tell you what happens at the end of this. <laughs> Sorry. That's exactly what he did. He did a great conversion, though, oh putting the... Uh, but it, you know, people walked by and thought it was a yeah. rare ninth, and he wasn't selling it as nothing. Yeah. But what it was that he converted, but uh, yeah, and, and for for nine tw- cars for nine twelve e enthusiasts, getting that deck script, the nine twelve e original deck script, mm-hmm. that's those those deck scripts are rare as hen's teeth. It's really hard to find. Right. That and I used to have nightmares about needing a heat exchanger. Yes. Hmm. Yep. So you talked a little bit about where you kind of hunt for cars. One of your cars actually found you out of New Jersey. Yes. Um, Look at that. It's like, it takes him a while. He has so many cars. It took him <laughs> like two seconds to, to go here. through his database. What have to... I told Ellen and what I have not told Ellen? <laughs> um, That's how you know you have a lot of cars. So, he literally had to take a second. Which car was he talking about? So we, yeah, we, we were very fortunate. Um, and again, this is serendipity, of course. And, 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 and for many car enthusiasts, that's part of what the game is. But uh, I, it, through my, 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 the company I work for, a, a colleague, notified me that, you know, he was potentially looking at this car that this widow was trying to get it sold. And the more we talked to the person representing the car, I believe it was her financial advisor, the more interested we became in this car. It was in New Jersey. And um, 
we finally got through the financial advisor because I had to establish my bona fides as a Porsche enthusiast. And then I started talking to this lovely lady and uh, turns out that this car was a 24,000 mile uh, 1980 SC with a paint a sample of uh, Byzantine gold metallic, which was a Mercedes color. So this car, hopefully, uh, if you're going to go to the Porsche parade uh, this summer, uh, the paint a sample cars is going to be the the specialty of the of the historical display this year. So mm-hmm. this car will be in the historic display because it's it's a total one off color. It's a very unique Mercedes gold color that is not metallic. It's it's pure gold as opposed to having a metallic flake in it, and uh, it's uh, chocolate brown leather interior. Uh, with a lot of unique options. The the individual who owned the car originally owned owned uh, the uh, Quaker Bridge Porsche Audi dealership in uh, Princeton, New Jersey, and uh, he special ordered this car. Wow. So it also has, uh, interestingly enough, a, a front uh, standard spoiler, but he also ordered uh, for a dealership application the, the infamous rubber spoiler that was popular at the time don't, Manny, don't give me the dirty look. <laughs> Manny's good looking at I know. me. This is where the Your video will come voted, in. Andy. That was voted the ugliest Porsche for Ray, I believe, <laughs> by the PCA Junior. No, we finished third at Indy last that year. Was, that was a mercy sympathy. <laughs> like, please, you want something? Never ex- bring ex- this back again. Explain to our listeners why this tale is controversial. Well, it's just ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ugly. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I oh, mean, that's that's what what is ugly. People say that. <laughs> so it's very functional. <laughs> so 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 back in the day, again, you know, just as a tutorial, back in the day, I mean, the the turbo look was very very popular. The the the, the whale tails were very popular in the late seventies and eighties because of the Porsche Turbo and and uh, the factory actually crafted a a rubber spoiler. Uh, that looked exactly like a, a 77 factory spoiler that you could actually add, a dealer could add to the back of the, of the deck lid. And that was the case w- with this car. I mean, so it's got the correct front spoiler and it's got the factory optional rubber spoiler that Manny hates that really actually, I believe, complements the gold color of the car and it makes it really sets it off. My friends will, my friends that are listening to this, I often talk about a sedan color. There is just some colors that should belong in a sedan and not like a sports beige. car. <laughs> like beige and this gold. <laughs> this is definitely a what? sedan color. Oh, wait, it was a Mercedes Benz sedan color. <laughs> so when I saw this car man, at Sports oh, Car. Man, you guys are a, it's a tough crowd here, I'm telling you. So when I saw this car at Sports Car Together Fest out at an Indy, um, I had heard that you had brought that car and that it has a rubber spoiler. And I was thinking, yeah, don't all whale tails have like that rubber strip? Or not all of them, but you know, the many of the tails have the rubber surrounding it. Correct. This thing's totally rubber. Yep. Like the yep. whole thing. Well, it's got, obviously it's got a metal base, obviously yeah. to hold the rubber. <laughs> but, but it's not just the outside. Yeah, it's, but it's the so. enti- it's entirely rubber. And, and the thing about it is you don't see too many of them more because many of them decomposed. Right. Hmm. Many people thought they were, like Manny, many people thought they were ugly, so they removed them from the car. As a matter of fact, the, the previous owner, this lovely lady, the uh, the shop where she took the car to have it serviced kept for years, kept telling her, you got to take this, Rubber spoiler, you got to get rid of it. And uh, I'm so glad she didn't because the car is low mileage. The rubber spoiler is very well preserved. And it really, really, I think, uh, puts a very nice appearance to the car. Let's talk about, to me, the Holy Grail car in your collection that I believe at one point you had buckets, little, not bucket seats, but you had a bucket as a seat. <laughs> Because you had to move it. <laughs> oh That's the God. one you drove to New Jersey. 
Yes. On a seat that wasn't bolted down. So. <laughs> and like five in the morning Where, when it was freezing. Do you ever remember any of the bad stories? <laughs> just, so, uh, so what they're talking about is, uh, of course, the, uh, I, I've got, uh, you know, Ellen and I are very fortunate to have a 1954 356 Speedster. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the first 200 Speedsters. So if you're into 356s, having one of the first 200 Speedsters is, is a pretty big deal, I guess. And all these are considered prototypes. But anyway, so we've owned this car for a while and we had the seats redone by, by John Paderak, Paderak Restorations in New, in New Jersey, in Chatham, New Jersey. John, of course, is a, is a dear friend and one of the best restorers in the country. So, you know, we, we gave him the seats. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a seat to drive up and get the seats <laughs> from him. And I wanted him to install the seat. So, uh, uh, and the, you didn't want to pay to have the thing towed. I did no, I did not. <laughs> and this was pre-trailer. <laughs> this pre-trailer. Pre, this was pre. I did not have a trailer, so this was. So the only solution was to either borrow, <laughs> borrow a friend's trailer, or to drive the car up. And the, you know, the first option because uh, it's only down the road. What is it? Four hours. <laughs> it's four hours. Yes. Oh my. So on uh, the interstate, <laughs> and it has no top. And it has no. Well, it does have a top. It has a Lobo top, but it's very, very. I've never seen that top up. It's not, it's not good to have a speedster top up because yeah. you really can't see out of it. Uh, so we, I, I, I actually wanted to do the first option, which was, of course, trailer the car. And uh, I had a, a, a friend lined up to trailer it. Unfortunately, his truck that was supposed to tow the trailer uh, broke down. And so I didn't have that option. And I had this appointment scheduled for John to have the seats put in. So, uh, you, know, this, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Or, and so I... We had Ellen's 944 seats in the loft above the garage. And I said, you know, I, I can make this work. So uh, I love you. We, so I went up in the loft and, and got this like 200 pound seat, dragged it down from the loft. And then we sort of like installed this 944 seat in the Speedster. And he it, says installs, but I don't think he has a well, wrench, set, ins- <laughs> wrench set in his garage. Yeah. I have a lot of wrenches, but the wrenches weren't going to work for a 944 seat in a 1954 Speedster. So we, I used pillows to sort of like wedge in the oh seat. <laughs> and, so uh, this was not bolted down. Yeah, it was not. It was not bolted down. I basically wedged it in with pillows. And I know everyone <laughs> listening to this podcast are probably rolling their eyes. And, uh, and, and we won't even mention... That there probably weren't seatbelts involved <laughs> in this. Not, obituary you, might, read. you may not want to mention that there were seatbelts not involved with this, but yes, there were no seatbelts. The 944 seat was wedged into the uh, into the car, and I literally drove the car from uh, from Frederick, Maryland, to Chatham, New Jersey, at 4:30 in the morning, and got up to John's in enough time for him to install the seats properly. Let's not even talk wow. about the fact that 356s have six volt <laughs> lighting systems. So it's kind of like having a candle out in the wind lighting your way. But I love the fact that he will hop in any one of his cars. I think you even hopped into the Sebring and drove it to parade to Chicago or something like that we did. without reverse gear or without second gear. <laughs> that's a, that's a, yet another story that Ellen does not take kindly to, but yes, we did not have, we lost first gear in reverse. In the, in the, <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my arms around the speed with the wedged in 944 yeah. seat. And and it's not just any, it's, it's a pre a car, right? So it's like yes. a, the most primitive yes. speedster that there is. Yes. So and, and actually amazing. the story is in Porsche Panorama. I believe it was in the, uh, 
gosh, I want to say it was in like the October 2010 edition. You only do this stuff for... Uh, for Panorama yes. articles, I know. Because <laughs> like Damon and I will you go to Florida and, clicks. and back and there's no story. Yeah. You drive two was, hours and you got a whole 2,000 word panorama story about your uh, misadventures. But, but back what to did our, the disclaimer look like on the Speedster story? I, I need to go back and find it. There was that no disclaimer, that. actually. But back to our theme of why we brought him here and talking about <laughs> what is maintaining a car collection. And that's why I underlined the word maintain when you mentioned it earlier. Uh, I guess you get around to some of this as it's needed. It's, it's tough for you to stay on top of every single car. Well, like you, uh, I keep a spreadsheet. One of the things that I, I learned in the Army uh, through all my many years of service in the Army and, and working in and around motor pools for all those many years is if you don't keep up with maintenance, if you don't track maintenance, then the, the cars, the vehicles are going to suffer as a result. So I, I have a very, very detailed spreadsheet that I keep so that I know exactly, you know, when the oils have been changed, uh, you know, when the car has been serviced, when the last time I drove it, how many miles I drove it. I keep all that to include oil weights, all this, just like you, I keep that. And what we normally do for the spreadsheet is we typically rotate the cars out in driving them so that the, draw, the cars are driven. And, and uh, we, we keep track of that and we keep, you know, the cars relatively fresh when they're driven. Um, and so that more or less takes care of it. One of the most important things that we do uh, for, for maintaining these cars, of course, uh, is, you know, having them on battery chargers. I, I, can't, yeah, yeah. I cannot begin to recommend to anyone who does not drive uh, uh, his or her Porsche on a recurring basis keeping it on a trickle charger. Because even, even if you don't drive the car that often, particularly for the newer cars, if, if the car sits for a month or two, you're probably going to get a code from a newer Porsche because they automatically go into a default mode and you're going to get a code because the car hasn't been driven. And it's not good to drain these batteries to no, very... it's not. Sometimes you can't even bring the battery back. So keeping That's them correct. on a... On a on a trickle charger is definitely key. Yeah, it's actually it's it's probably one of the one of the best things we've ever done for the cars over the years. I mean, back in the day, I mean, there weren't the, the trickle charger uh, technology wasn't there, so I would always struggle when I had multiple cars, three or four, like when Damon Damon's age, uh, you know, we had three or four cars and trying to keep these cars going and always having to jump start the cars because the battery would just go down and we'd be replacing batteries constantly. Uh, but with trickle chargers, it's it's a totally different aspect, and it really keeps the cars uh, drivable as opposed to just worrying about that kind of thing. So keeping them on trickle chargers, driving them, driving dri- driving them is probably the best thing for abs- them. Absolutely, I, I I mean you can't let a car sit, and I I really feel guilty uh, when cars sit for too long. And, and and unfortunately for me, this winter the cars have sat too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it bothers me that I've not been able to drive. I mean, we we've, we've been up in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, at, at our house in New Hampshire, and, and the weather up there has been extremely. I cold. can babysit the cars for you. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're not going to. We, we that's another that episode to talk <laughs> about. Yeah that's, yeah, that's an entirely different episode and a bunch of other stuff. What do you consider too long uh, letting them sit? For more than a month. Oh, really? Yeah, for more than a month. Mm-hmm. I don't like to let a car sit for more than a month. It really, it really bothers me. And I, I keep track of these things and making sure that the rotations take the cars out and you can drive them at least. Are you using any kind of fuel conditioner during the winter? I'm, I'm not. I'm you not. Should. I should be. Yeah. I should be. Yeah. It'll and make the- you feel less guilty because <laughs> I, no, I, I really subscribe to the same theory. Yep. When I bought my 914 and it was very low miles and I asked the owner, oh, how did you store it in the winter? And he said, I didn't. Yeah. He goes, I never stored this car. He said, I always drove it when the roads were clear because I don't like to store cars. Yep. And that always stuck in my head. 
And so I always tell people, I really don't store my cars. If yeah. there's a nice day in the winter, and like Boo said, the roads are clear of uh, salt, I'll make sure I put uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes of driving in it just to get everything flowing yep. in the car and then yep. reset the clock and put it. Uh, so I may go four or six weeks between cars yep. of driving. Yep. But um, I still put in the uh, fuel conditioner because we learned that from Tech Tactics Live and Lake uh, Speed told us, you know, explained well what ethanol can do to your car. Yes. That's a big, Particularly uh, for cars with carburetors too. It's yeah, really, older cars. That, the older cars that really set make up it for work. That. Yep. Yeah, yep. so it's, uh, um, you know, when originally we thought about bringing you on here, I thought of you, your car collection and how, um, you know, it's three cars, like Damon and I were talking about, we have three cars we collector cars or cars you take care of and uh yeah that's a lot of work it's um i I can't imagine having a girlfriend a wife and three cars (laughs) (laughs) for me not not that i'm recommending that entered into a different category of podcasts that's just too much to take care of (laughs) i don't think we want to go there so you have a collection of cars but the last time i was at your garage you don't really have a collection of tools I actually do. You do now? Uh, no, no, no. We're well, not talking because... factory tool sets. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about <laughs> tools, tools that to work you on your car. You know, I, I think that you are so awed, awed shocked and awed yeah. by the, the sheer number of cars. And I'm, believe me, I'm not trying to brag about the numbers of cars. You guys are the ones that are bringing up the cars. But I do have a, a full up tool to, set of tools for, for the cars. I mean, Oh, you do? Yes. Okay. Have you opened it up yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, I opened it up and hand the tools to somebody so, else. So do you do like the basic maintenance, like the oil changes and such, or what do you, what do you typically, work, what I, do you do? Or do you have someone that comes in or typically I, I can do oil changes, but mm-hmm. that's about the extent of my capability. I, I am not mechanically inclined. I will be the, and Manny will, but that be, alone, it saves a lot of money it does, by it doing does. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it saves a lot of money by doing your own oil changes, particularly for the six cylinder cars, which take so much oil, as we all yeah. know. I yeah. mean, it, it does save 10 quarts. Yep. Yeah. Nine and a half. Nine, and a half, yeah. nine yeah. and a half. But you got to buy 10. You got to buy 10, but they're nine and a half. That's yeah. right. Yep. Ah. Well, I knew this would go by quick. So let's, let's hop over, get some updates on uh, Tech Tactics Live, Manny. So uh, this will be uh, just podcast people will be listening to. Uh, we would have already done the state of the market. Right. So I would, uh, uh, if you didn't get the chance to watch it live, uh, certainly uh, watch the uh, episode again. Nathan Mers will be telling us uh, what he learned from Scottsdale, why Scottsdale uh, auctions are important. Scottsdale always the beginning of the uh, auction season, what they're telling us about the uh, collector car market. Of course, as we uh, do this podcast, uh, the whole Ukrainian Russian thing is uh, on everyone's mind. So, who knows what it'll be yeah. like in two weeks from now, what yeah. it does to the markets, but that's has some relevance, but I don't want to get too much uh, into that. What we're going to, what Nathan's going to be talking about or what I've talked about is uh, really what, where the market stands right now, what that says about the rest of the year. Yep. And Damon, why don't you give a quick update on uh, upcoming videos and videos that just recently dropped? Yeah. So by the time you guys hear this, um, we have dropped the dry ice blasting video. We, Which is doing really well. Yeah, we've got, uh, I think, running up on 4,000 views, which is nice for a... In less than uh, 24 hours. Yeah, in less than 24 hours. It's a tech video, um, but it's interesting. Went over to our friend Bob Miller at At Speed Motors, and he showed us what a, I think, what was it, $7,000 to $10,000 ice machine and a $25,000 generator That's right. can do for your car. Um, <laughs> air compressor, air compressor. Exactly, you or generator for the air compressor. Yeah, yeah air compressor, exactly. So that video's out. Um, and also, by the time you 
listen to this, the uh, installation of a two-quart deep sump on my Cayman, which I've been talking about for months, uh, thinking I would get it edited sooner. Uh, so, be so a- this is what I like about the, that video. I was telling Damon yesterday yeah. when we were on the phone talking. Um, I like the first two minutes of the video because uh, he uh, he empties the oil and it goes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, you know, I love that. I said, because I watched Genuine. all these how-to videos. And everything goes by perfectly. <laughs> and they make it seem so easy. And yet when you go do it yourself, you look like what Damon looked like. You know, <laughs> oil going everywhere. And I thought, this is the most realistic how-to video. Because now I feel better that, yes, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, the oil is going to go everywhere as much as you try to prevent it. You, you know, put something it, down on the ground and the oil never lands there. No, it doesn't. It splashes out. Um, well, actually, he changes shirts. Yeah, yeah I changed shirts and all of a sudden, boom. I, I knew that was going to happen. Having done That's oil awesome. on that car, I knew it was going to splash out. But it's a very, very good video there. Very realistic. And it made me want to get a deep sump uh, um, uh, and do it myself because it looked pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. And I sent it to uh, Charles Navarro who created the kit. And, you know, he hadn't seen me do the installation, you know, and I was thinking to myself, he said, don't use too much sealant, you know, do this, do that. And I'm thinking, man, I hope I did it right. <laughs> and uh, he sent the video back. He said it was excellent. So Perfect. Um, I think it'll be a, a good guide for anybody who wants to improve the cooling on their 987 Boxster, Cayman, uh, or 986 Boxster. Um, same kit applies. So now you are a resident deep sump expert at PCA. Yes, I am. Yeah, and if anybody has questions about a 987 Cayman, um, I've been known to answer about some of the projects I've done. So feel free to reach out to PCA. And Rob, um, oh, anything else? Uh, we have an exhaust sounds video from Air Cooled Porsches at the last parade, which is a long time coming. And parade, then a, the parade is coming again. Yeah, I've got to hurry up with that video. I know, right? <laughs> um, and then a Carrera, 964 Carrera RS video. Um, and those will be early March when those are released. Cool. Mr. Sass, quick update on Panorama. Well, we have the uh, annual youth issue coming up. And as most people remember, we don't really set an arbitrary, uh, you know, age limit under 40, under 30 or whatever. We just look for stories featuring people who are, say, conspicuously uh, younger than than sort of the average PCA demographic. So that's coming up. And um, uh, it's kind of fluid at this point. So if anybody who's listening to this knows of a great story involving uh, younger PCA or younger enthusiasts, by all means, let us know because we're uh, we're starting to put that together now. Cool, cool. Well, by the time you all listen to this, you know, PCA and driving events and tours and all that is going to be in full swing. We will probably have already been to Works Amelia and we'll report back on that. But Works Amelia sold out. Treffen Broadmoor uh, later later this spring also sold out. Parade registration for the Poconos, um, you know, we're on on track to set records. I mean, it's going to be a busy, busy year. Uh, we'll uh, we'll end this and let you plug what you're Thank you. what you're showing on your shirt there. Um, but yeah, there's just so much going on, and I hope all of you that are listening that are PCA members and maybe even those that aren't will come out to our events and see what's going on. Again, I want to remind you to uh, like and comment. If you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, and I'm going to let Bob close it out with a little plug on an event that well, uh, really oh, quick. You- if you're listening to the fun, <laughs> you're listening to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to get the dates right because we're still bi-weekly. Um, uh, works reunion already happened. Yep. And the big reveal happened. Oh yeah. So uh, that podcast will be uh, uh, our following podcast from the one you're listening to. And we'll give you all the behind the scenes of uh, that big reveal and uh, how it happened and more uh, 
more info about the car that you're going to see or about uh, you would have seen probably pictures about them, but you'll get some uh, behind the scenes and maybe we'll have someone from uh Porsche show or PC yep. or PCA management we'll t- on to talk a little bit more about how uh, this special surprise happened. Yeah. We'll, we'll have definitely have some social media. We'll be dropping some cool stuff uh, even while we're at Amelia. So I'm super excited. I don't think I've been ever excited this much on a reveal working together with Porsche. Um, but anyways, I will turn it over to you, to you, Bob. Tell us, uh, you got five seconds, five seconds. (laughs) Thanks. Well, first I'm really excited and looking forward to that reveal myself, but we're also very excited about boardwalk reunion. The third annual boardwalk reunion will happen on 15 October uh, of this year at ocean sea, New Jersey. It's a singularly unique event in that it is a combined zone one and zone two event. So we're very happy and thankful to have uh, Zone 1 and Zone 2 collaborate and work together. Uh, this is more or less an exotic cars and coffee, if you will. We meet at the Ocean City Municipal Airport, and then we have a parade through the streets of Ocean City up onto the boardwalk. And we're on the boardwalk just hanging out for about four hours on a beautiful October day uh, at the Jersey Shore. Uh, the weather at this time of year at the Jersey Shore is just spectacular. We've been really fortunate the past four years to have just great weather, uh, great turnout in the crowd. Last year, we had 355 cars registered. We can put up to 450 cars on the boardwalk, so we're looking forward to having everyone come to uh, Ocean City, New Jersey on that day. Also want to do a shout-out to you guys personally. Um, Vu, thanks very much for all the support from the national office for providing equipment and support and um, the uh, the social media for that. And then, of course, Manny is the new tech director. We We have tech sessions during the course of the day that the National Tech Committee has, uh, has supported and has presented at that time. So very unique day on the boards, beautiful weather, great opportunity to look at cars, to go shopping if you want, or as Roxy and Albin, Mandy's lovely spouse, did this last year, she literally slept on the beach for the entire time that the cars were on the boardwalk. Looks, looks like I married a uh, uh, person without a home. <laughs> careful, but, careful there. But uh, no, we look forward to having you. And if you have any questions, go to our website, boardwalkreunion.org. What's Thanks. the date for that? 15 October, 2022. Cool. There you go. Mark your calendars. It is an awesome event. I've been there twice. Uh, fun day. We literally take over the area. And it's such an amazing sight to see all those cars on the board, uh, you know, what better than to have funnel cake, hot dogs and pizza and have your Porsche on the boards and see, get that beautiful breeze coming through. It's, it's a fun time. I recommend getting there early to the airport. Cause like Bob said, it's almost like a cars and coffee and half the fun is uh, yes. at the corral at the airport before, because you're walking around looking at all the cars that are actually a lot closer together because once you get on the boardwalk, it's pretty spread out. Yes. It's a uh, long it's, haul. It's rows of two, and the, the, the numbers of cars we have now actually go more than a mile on the boardwalk. I mean, you wow. can literally, it takes at least, what, 20 minutes, Manny? At least 20 minutes to walk and, and go right down. 30 minutes for me, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes. This year, we hope, to, uh, we hope to have some surprises this year. The featured uh, car this year will be Roasters and Speedsters mm. in honor of the 70th anniversary of the 1952 America Roadster. Very cool. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening. Again, be sure to like and comment. If you're not currently a PCA member, just grab that VIN and go to PCA.org and join. And if you don't have a Porsche, of course, we have the test drive program. Folks, until next time, stay safe and we'll catch you down the road.